Easter Vigil is a growing tradition at Church of Our Savior, where we gather to keep vigil in the hours of Holy Week, when tradition holds that the powers of death were broken by God in Christ. This podcast shares some of the reflections and readings from this year's vigil, as offered by the people of Church of Our Savior. In addition to scripture readings by our members, S.D. Cantor offers a reflection on the creation stories of Genesis. Betsy Rosen responds to the reading of the story of the Valley of Dry Bones in Ezekiel, and Richard Helmer reads the Easter Sermon of John Chrysostom. On this Easter even, we read the beautiful story of the creation, the very first story in the Bible. And creation bursts out of the void, just as Christ bursts out of the tomb. Chaos turns to order, darkness to light, and death to life. And just as Jesus loved the disciples, God pauses after every great work of creation, sees it, and says, it is good. Well, we have all just survived the darkness and chaos of Lent, some more nobly than others, I think. A good friend of mine who should know better confided to me, well, I've just flunked Lent. She might not be the only person who feels that way. In our dark Lenten wilderness, we move through chaos and darkness. We look deeply at our lives and our addictions and we await with impatience the order and brightness, the light and the life. And we may be tempted to forget that even this dark Lenten journey is part of creation, is creative, and is good. All during creation, as we have heard, God pauses between bursts of creativity. He takes tiny little Sabbaths, and then he says, yes, it is good. And maybe we can model some of our own creativity along these lines. God did not exhaust and extinguish all his energy, that wonderful energy that birthed creation. God took little Sabbaths. God appreciated the wonder of what was created. God went from one thing to another, not obsessing over the fishes or the birds not being perfect enough. God saw it all and said it was good. God might even have meant good enough. Well, God just keeps on creating until the seventh day when God rests. Then he takes the big Sabbath. He pauses, he looks, God adores, God rejoices in the beauty of creation. God beholds it all and says it is good. Now this is the very first Sabbath in the whole of the Bible. And perhaps we could model our Sabbaths after this as well. On this very first Sabbath, 
There seems to be no restrictions as to what God can and cannot do on the Sabbath. He probably could and maybe did dance or sing or play or possibly turn on an electrical appliance or kindle a fire, drive an automobile. God probably could have created something else as it looks like he did in the next chapter. But I imagine that God did not do these things. I imagine that after the pleasure of all that creation, God sat back, God savored the work, savored all of creation, reveled in the beauty, and as any satisfied artist would do, probably murmured over and over again, it really is good. Come to the waters, and you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know. And nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. 
Does not wisdom call, and does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way, at the crossroads she takes her stand. Beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals she cries out, To you, O people, I call, and my cry is to all that live. O simple ones, learn prudence. Acquire intelligence, you who laugh it. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, endowing with wealth those who love me and filling their treasures. To those without sense she comes, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and you will cause and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood at their feet, on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, 
Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The children of Israel have been captive in Babylon for more than a generation. Though some have fallen away from honoring the God they used to worship in the temple at Jerusalem, there is in many more hearts a, a sense of spiritual dryness and a deep longing for home. Yet it is out of this dryness and longing that God promises new life. I grew up in the northwest corner of Louisiana, which is a beautiful place, particularly about this time of year with the dogwoods and azaleas in bloom, very much like here. But the place that feels like home to me, the place when I go there and stand on the earth, it feels like there are roots growing from the bottoms of my feet, is the Mississippi Delta, where my father was born and where I passed the summers of my childhood. Is it beautiful? It's not unlike the Sacramento Delta, flat, stretching off as far as the eye can see, with only the occasional grove of pecan trees rising above the cotton fields. But when I long for home, that's what I long for. This is the feeling the prophet Ezekiel must have evoked as he described his vision to the Israelites languishing in a far country, feeling disconnected from how they once knew themselves. That feeling of being lost to, or at least away from, our true home, our true selves. It's a feeling that can come upon any of us, from the monk in his cell to the ordinary Christian like you and me, gazing out the window. There comes a time in the middle of the most ordinary stretch of days when everything we have always done to bring ourselves into the presence of God, to make ourselves available to the Spirit, doesn't work anymore. We see with our eyes, we understand with our heads, but for some reason our hearts have grown detached, maybe even to the point of feeling like a valley of disassembled, wind-swept bones. Yet the great good news of Easter, 
prefigured in this story from our common spiritual history is that it's precisely at these moments of spiritual emptiness when God may send us a prophecy that breaks into our self-centeredness with a piercing force that brings new life. It might leap up at us from a difficult or challenging book when we turn the page and recognize suddenly in some character a true but painful description of ourselves. It could be in the action of a child needing our attention and love, but to whom, for reasons unknown, our hearts have momentarily grown cold. Then again, it could be the face of hunger and desperation that we see night after night on the evening news, part of the world's great need that we have turned away from, through compassion fatigue, perhaps, but at the cost we know of our deepest, most human values. And we think, why do I not feel what I used to feel? Any of these can become the voice of the prophet saying, stop, listen, turn around, be still, wait. And as we wait, knowing through our previous experience of God's faithfulness that help is on its way, the Spirit is miraculously breathed into us again, and new life enters our bodies, bone upon bone, sinew and flesh, until our deepest selves are born again. Easter Sermon of John Chrysostom pastor of Constantinople around 400 AD. Is there anyone who is a devout lover of God? Let them enjoy this beautiful, bright festival. Is there anyone who is a grateful servant? Let them rejoice and enter into the joy of their Lord. Are there any weary with fasting? Let them now receive their wages. If any have toiled from the first hour, let them receive their due reward. If any have come after the third hour, let him with gratitude join the feast. And he that arrived after the sixth hour, let him not doubt for he too shall sustain no loss. And if any delayed until the ninth hour, let him not hesitate, but let him come too. And he who arrived only at the eleventh hour, let him not be afraid by reason of his delay. For the Lord is gracious and receives the last even as the first, he gives rest to him that comes at the eleventh hour, as well as to him that toiled from the first. 
To this one he gives, and upon another he bestows. He accepts the works as he greets the endeavor. The deed he honors and the intention he commends. Let us all enter into the joy of the Lord. First and last alike, receive your reward, rich and poor together. Sober and slothful, celebrate the day. You that have kept the fast and you that have not, rejoice today for the table is richly laden. Feast royally on it. The calf is a fatted one. Let no one go away hungry. Partake all of the cup of faith. Enjoy all the riches of his goodness. Let no one grieve at his poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one mourn that he has fallen again and again, for forgiveness has risen from the grave. Let no one fear death, for the death of our Savior has set us free. He has destroyed it by enduring it. He destroyed Hades when he descended into it. He put it into an uproar even as it tasted of his flesh. Isaiah foretold this when he said, You, O hell, have been troubled by encountering him below. Hell was in an uproar because it was done away with. It was in an uproar because it is mocked. It was in an uproar, for it is destroyed. It is in an uproar, for it is annihilated. It is in an uproar, for it is now made captive. Hell took a body and discovered God. It took earth and encountered heaven. It took what it saw and was overcome by what it did not see. O oh, death, where is thy sting? O oh, Hades, where is thy victory? Christ is risen, and you, O oh, death, are annihilated. Christ is risen, and the evil ones are cast down. Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen, and life is liberated. Christ is risen, and the tomb is emptied of its dead. For Christ, having risen from the dead, is become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Podcast. Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California.
we are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot org We wish you God's peace and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.